Hello and welcome to Progressive Opinions of Color, a podcast that seeks to create space for people of color and underrepresented voices and conversations about economics and politics. I'm your host, Nancy Wu, and today there's no guest. I am just doing an extra episode about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and this is a big deal. I have a message that I want to just share with those of you who are on the fence about voting, those who feel really lost and hopeless right now and don't know what to do. And also those of you who are already doing all that you can, there's still more that we can do. And I just want to talk about this a bit. So I want to talk about what is at stake here, what else we can do, what this all means for the future generations and what we can do to change minds in ways beyond the typical ways that we see in political activism. This is not the time to give up hope and fall into nihilism. I know a lot of us are hurting right now. The country is hurting right now. The country is divided, and now it's about to get way more divided. But that makes it more important than ever to vote, but not just vote, because there's so much more we need to do. Even with Joe Biden elected, we we still might have a majority conservative Supreme Court for the next generation. But right now, on the point of voting, we have to vote for Joe Biden because Even if we have a conservative majority Supreme Court for the next generation, we have to have some balance of power in having a Democrat in the executive branch. The Senate is still majority conservative right now. We don't know how that's going to change next year with the elections. But right now we can and we do have control over who can be in the White House. And we have to do all we can to get Joe Biden elected. I know a lot of you guys are still on the fence about voting. You guys are Bernie Sanders supporters, or you guys like are moderate Republicans who don't like Trump, but also don't want to vote for Biden. I understand this philosophical struggle of choosing an evil when it's a lesser of two evils is still not moral because you're still choosing an evil. But let's think about this. What are the alternatives? What is the result of your action? Because what does not voting for anyone do? And I just, don't, I just don't see how not voting is better than voting for the lesser of two evils. You might not agree with Joe Biden. You might not like Joe Biden. You might even have not thought that Obama did much, which a lot of people have said. But what Obama did was he appointed Sonia Sotomayor to the Supreme Court. She is more liberal than RBG. She is going to be there for decades. That's a significant deal for what will happen in the coming years. But now with RBG gone, it's going to be a long ass time. Trump in one term is going to, has already appointed two people. You understand the significance that the president has in getting to appoint people to the Supreme Court. It goes from one branch of government into another. There's the president, but there's so much more beyond the president. And yes, Joe Biden is not that exciting and he's an establishment Democrat. But so what? You have to vote not just yourself, but organize and use your voice in your actions. And I don't care if you're a citizen or not. I don't care if you're under 18. Whatever the reason, you might not be able to vote. If you can vote, make sure you register to vote now. The link to resources for that is below. So make sure that you register to vote now. Immediately, just scroll to the link in the show notes and click on the link to go register and vote. I will have all the resources here. So you guys can take actions. If you can't vote, if you're not a citizen, if you're under 18, whatever the reason is, just understand that voting is the lowest hanging fruit and there's so much more that you can do. 
there's so much more that we can do. And I will go into some of those points about what else there is. Just starting off with some scenarios. Even if Joe Biden is elected, we might still have a conservative Supreme Court. So right now, Trump is actively looking for someone to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg to nominate to the Supreme Court to fill her seat. The Senate will vote on that to confirm. And we have an election coming up in about 50 days. So this is going to be a huge lift, but it's possible. What you can do right now is call senators. A lot of you guys are in California or states where you already have a Democratic senator, but there are other senators who are on the swing that you could really change their minds if we all just go and bombard them with phone calls and emails and letters. Because if this nomination passes, we will have a conservative majority in the Supreme Court for at least a generation or more. Before the of the nine, there was four that were left-leaning, four that were right-leaning consistently, and then John Roberts in the middle who swung a few times, and now we don't have a swing anymore. We'll have five very conservative Supreme Court justices, and there's going to be very little room for anything to swing. So this means that everything will be at stake in the next generation if this happens. Gay rights, reproductive rights, health care, climate change, the role of the presidency. So keeping in mind that it is likely that we might have a majority conservative Supreme Court. We can't stop what we're doing. We can't stop organizing Instagram live video last night where she talked about what things that we can do. Um, and she suggested calling up five people that we have that special connection with and making sure that they take ash- actions, whether it's making sure that they vote or changing the mind or at least having a conversation with someone who may be a conservative friend that only we can get through to because we have a very special relationship with them. Keep in mind that we live in a world where the news that you see on your newsfeed is marketed towards what you already know. So people are going to be deeper and deeper in our own bubbles. So one of the only times, the most effective times where productive conversation can happen is across these bridges through the connections that you already have. We have friendships that go beyond the divides of politics And even if we have different definitions of what it means to do what is best and what is right, we still can talk to these people and try to make compelling arguments and talk about what's at stake here. Here are a few conversations that we might want to have. I'm sure we all have someone in our lives who is pro-life. And something that I've always been curious about that I think is really important to talk to them about in a productive way, is to ask what they mean by the definition of life. What lives do we care about? What about the lives that will be lost due to a mishandling of a pandemic that comes up in years ahead? What about the lives that will be lost if we do not address climate change and we have more and more wildfires throughout California, throughout the U.S.? What lives are lost when we detain people at the border with inhuman conditions? What lives are lost when we don't reform our police to have better training? What about the lives that will be lost when we take away people's health care? Having Trump in office is a life and death issue. There are people whose lives are at stake. And when we think about the lives that will be lost with Trump in office for another four years, of course, I'm going to urge you to, when having these conversations with people to do your own research. I'll have sources below, but You never know where a conversation will go with a friend, and it's important to just go in with as much information as possible when having these conversations. 
For those of us who have parents who are immigrants, who think that their vote doesn't matter, we can talk to our parents about issues that are at stake here. Know what your parents, know what these friends care about. I told my mom that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died yesterday, and I explained the significance of that. Neither of my parents knew about the Supreme Court. They didn't understand what that meant. And I told them that Trump could appoint someone and we might have a Supreme Court where there are three people nominated by Trump on it. And my parents freaked out because they no longer like Trump. They think it is authoritarian that WeChat is getting banned now from the U.S. When in the past, there's been so much shitting on China about China not allowing Facebook and Google. Knowing that they are very much pro-China, I know how to tailor my conversations with them to talk about the issues that they care about and the issues that they only care about. You know, people's connections across people are strong and they go beyond politics. I have a lot of friends who are religious, who are conservative because they are religious, and friends who are frankly apathetic, friends who don't care about politics, don't know about politics. These are also people that we can talk to about the importance, about what issues that, what rights they have that will be threatened without Joe Biden in office without taking more actions, and why it's important to care about politics. It is important to care about politics. I know when Trump was elected, a lot of us were saying, hey, you know what? It sucks. It's really bad. But honestly, it's a privileged position to be in this, but he probably won't impact our personal lives that much. But he really has, just in terms of the toll of our mental health that we have taken from him being in office from the lack of concern and efforts to address racial justice and not taking adequate actions during a pandemic for the sake of politics, this has literally threatened lives that could be, have been any of us. Any one of us could have died, would have, who could have known family members who died in March and April because we weren't warned enough about the dangers of this pandemic. Yeah, so none of this is really new information, but I just wanted to talk about this a bit because I know some of you guys are my friends on here and you guys have told me that you aren't super interested in politics, that you don't know that much about politics or that you disagree with my politics. And you guys will still listen to this because we know each other. And I just wanted to chat with you guys. Feel free to reach out to me also if you want to talk more and to send me questions. To those who are new on this episode, I want to be a resource to you. We have conversations on here with people I know from all different backgrounds who talk about how their experiences have been shaped and vice versa, shape their actions in in the economy and in politics. And I hope that through sharing stories from people who have gone through situations themselves can help make better sense of the significance of politics and how this impacts all of us, even in conversations that seem to start nowhere related to politics and then so get into them. So we see how this is embedded in our lives and I hope that we can continue this conversation. I hope that we can take as much action as possible in the show notes below. I have a list of resources. I urge that you check those out now. I urge that you register to vote right now if you haven't already and that you check your voter registration status if you have registered. I urge that you check out the resources for what to do to call your senators to not get someone new appointed to the Supreme Court right now before the next election. And I urge that you do what you can to get someone new elected and to have these conversations with people that you know. No matter what happens, I firmly believe that the actions that we can take on the grassroots in terms of activism, organizing, protesting, 
speaking up on social media, speaking up and getting angry about these issues can do so much more than any establishment can. We give the establishment too much credit. We think that's the Supreme Court and that politicians who are establishment politicians in office will define the world for us. But there are small ways in which we can make change that gradually add up to a lot. Think about the civil rights movement. Think about how huge issues of racial justice, of gay rights, of women's rights have occurred in the past. It came from mass movements. And the Black Lives Matter movements this summer has shown us how powerful it is when we all band together and speak up and we protest and we disrupt and we organize These things get in the minds of the politicians in office to force them to address these issues. Whether they agree or not, they have to talk about these issues. Let's make them talk more about these issues. Let's make them talk more about issues that we care about to bring issues that matter to us into the national dialogue and to make it a priority for our politicians. There are things that we can do to change our politicians' minds. Even if we can't change our politicians' minds and core beliefs, we can change their actions and what they do and what they prioritize, we can change these things. We can put pressure on them. This is the power that we have as a democracy that is still left. Donald Trump has taken away a lot of our power as a democracy, but right now we still have the ability for mass movements. And I urge that we continue to do these things no matter what happens and to not give up hope because there are still actions that we can take, even if it takes a generation, even if it takes small steps of change. Our voices are powerful. That being said, I hope that you guys have a great weekend and I will see you back on Monday with our regular programming of interviews with people of color where we talk about issues impacting us.